Okay, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Joy of Social Work Podcast. I am Joy. We are super late with this episode, and when I say we, I mean me, because it's 2 o'clock on Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and father figures, uh, and happy post-Juneteenth. I think I Juneteenth too hard. I uh, documentary premiered too hard. Not really. It's just... It was just a, it was a great, it was a great Saturday. Uh, yesterday, my friend Dijanae, who was actually my first guest on this podcast, uh, premiered her, or had a private screening rather, for her documentary, More Than Academics, at the Magic Johnson Theater in Harlem, and it was phenomenal. I mean, a few years ago, she told me, I'm going to stop playing small, and we were all in this like, yeah, we're going to like do all of the things we say we want to do, and... Shorty created a documentary that started pre-pandemic, continued during the pandemic, and then was available for screening yesterday. And the goal is for it to just blow up and be super large. It is definitely something that if you are an educator, especially an educator in New York City, that you need to see. So I'm hoping that it gets picked up and gets put places because it's a message that folks really, really need to hear. It's a message that parents need to hear. It's a message that kids need to hear because they need to know that what they have to say is important um, and that they need to be heard and seen and understood, especially by their parents, because it is, there is so much, as a, as a, as a former educator, there's so much pressure to come into school and to learn and to sit still and read and write and do math and be a good kid but you might have just had an argument with your mom funny enough i saw a uh, post today this morning that said my mom used to argue with me before school like it's 6 a.m sis what's wrong with you and it's like yeah you have a fight with your parent before school and you're expected to go to school and fucking focus everybody can't do that so Shout out to Dijanae and educators, to her, I can't speak, educators like Dijanae who create safe spaces in their classroom where students know that if they are having a struggle, they can talk to their teacher about it. Um, and, you know, obviously not in a way that is taking the role of other support staff in the school, but I just never understood as a social worker in schools why teachers didn't ask more questions before they just sent the kid to us. Like, why are they crying? I don't know. Why you ain't asked? You can ask a kid why they crying or why they got that face on. I don't know. Like, come on. This is the kid that you see more often than I see as a social worker. Ask them a fucking question. Sorry, I'm mad aggressive. Um, but, like, you know, you got to build this relationship and rapport. Most kids at school love the social workers, love the, the, the counselors, because that's a place where they can feel safe. They know that they can come and talk to them. And they don't always have that rapport and that relationship with their teachers because their teachers don't cultivate and create that. You are the adult in the, in the building. <laughs> Depending on the, the, the community you work in, some people, some of these students already have a block and won't talk to you. So if you create that space... Where, yeah, maybe they're not like, and let me tell you all my deep, dark secrets, but they're like, I had a fight with my mother today, and I'm probably not going to listen. Maybe you won't be an asshole to them. Yo, I used to work with this one teacher. I have to make this, like, not as a specific story as I would like it to really be. But I worked with this one teacher who I thought was the meanest person in the world, who should, I didn't think, in my personal opinion, should be a teacher. Like, you clearly don't like children. I don't know that you like people that much. 
But the way that she spoke to kids, I mean, over little shit, like, my pencil broke. You ain't never got a pencil, you fucking broke bitch. Like, I mean, and that, that's like a little bit extreme, but not that much extreme. Like, it's just like, why would I ever feel safe in this space with you for 10 months? When something so small as like, I didn't do my homework, or I'm tired, or I'm I don't have a pencil, makes you spaz out on me, you talking shit about me, you talking shit about my family, like, come on, like, some of these, yo, I don't think I would ever go back to working in schools, because I just think it's not a, it's not an area where I thrive, I, I, I feel like I am able to be there for, for children, which is why I wanted to work in schools, but it be the adults, man, that really get in the way of that that growth and that healing that kids need because <sighs> they're they ain't doing the work on their damn selves but again shout out to dj and educators like her who are making classrooms safe for students um but also <laughs> knowing like it is not your job to fix kids Especially if you are a white educator, it is not your job to be their savior. It is not their job, your job to get them out the hood. It is not your job to parent them. It is not your job to, to parent their parents. You know, like, there's also, like, this fine line of, like, knowing what, what boundaries you shouldn't be crossing. So, very grateful for her. Shout out to her. Um, on Wednesday... Her and her sister and her niece came over, and she was saying, "How I give I say congratulations really dry," and I'm like, "I don't feel like I say congratulations dry. I feel like if I'm typing congratulations, it's congratulations." And she was like, Mm-mm. "You just type the word. There's no exclamation marks. There's no emojis. It's not in caps. It's real dry. So I don't even really know if you feel that way." And I'm like, "Damn! Like it's the little things that you don't really pay attention. I don't pay attention to." that clearly impacts my families and then another friend co-signed and I was like well goddamn all right so I told her I'm only writing to her in caps with emojis and exclamation points and whatnot but I'm so proud of her I really 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 hope that people who listen to this podcast are able to to get to, to a chance to see it more than academics as of now like I said she's trying to get it into some things so hopefully it'll be the thing that it needs to be um and it was interesting watching the documentary because i was thinking about what i wanted today's episode to be about and at some point i was like "Ah, i'm just not going to do it there's just been this doesn't feel like there was time um and then i had an idea because you know it's today's father's day Last one was Mother's Day. Mother's Day to Father's Day is usually a really difficult time for me. And it was. Um, I, w- I feel like there were definitely moments that, that I was in a really negative space. Uh, but there was also so many moments of gratefulness that I've had over the last month. Um, and, and a lot of that has come from just being grateful for my support system. I've spent a lot of time. May to June, maybe mostly June, because May I was still kind of like coming off that COVID stuff. But a lot of time with friends, and a lot of time with my friends' kids, um, in ways that I haven't before. Um, so I've just been feeling super grateful about 
like that quality time and, and, and being able to watch these kids grow for real. Um, and, and having conversations with my friends that we might not have had before. Like, for example, I went to Georgia um, and stayed with my friend Ebony and her wife, Denise. Ebony and I have known each other since kindergarten. So I was five. <laughs> going to be 37 in two months, right? And so Ebony, like, has seen me go from a, a baby, basically, through like the awkwardest stages of my life, through relationships and friendships and work and my parents and all these all these changes and transitions. She's she's seen them since I was five. <laughs> um, and so it was really, you know, we would like gr- growing up and throughout the years we would spend a night together or two nights or like whatever. But we never have spent that much time together as an adult. And I've never spent that much time with her children. Her daughter, Olivia, is my goddaughter. Um, and then I think, like, by default, her, their sons, Jaden and Lucas, are my godsons, too. Uh, so they all call me godmommy. Well, except Jaden. Jaden calls me mom. <laughs> he calls me godmom. But he's just like, so, and sometimes it just was like, mom, mom, mom. And I'm like, oh, you're talking to me, which was super cute. But it was just nice to, like, be around them and to begin to build this relationship with them that I didn't really have. Like, again, I would go and see them for a few hours or, yeah, really for a few hours even if I spent the night. But it was never, like, days of, like, waking up with them and seeing them go to school and talking to them throughout the day and getting hugs and seeing them have tantrums and... You know, they might not be all, like, lovey and cuddly. And sometimes it's like, ooh, kid, get away. But it was just super cool. And and and, and I felt grateful for that. Feeling grateful for um, kind of like I talked about in the last episode with, like, friendships and, like, seeing them grow and being able to have real conversations with friends. I, I am loving that. I feel equally yoked with the people around me. I feel like we are all in this place of place, place of growth and healing. And the folks who are still on the fence about it, um, I don't feel as hesitant, I guess, to say like, hey, maybe this is something you should try or maybe this is something you should think about or like challenge some of the stuff. Because again, like, Toxic shit is funny, but, like, toxic ain't ain't it. We are too old to be doing some of the things that we did in our 20s or to be thinking some of the things we thought in our 20s or to be receiving some of the treatment we received in our 20s uh, or fucking 30s, like, shit. Um, but I keep on being like, I am almost 40. There are just certain things that just don't rock anymore. So... Feeling grateful about that. Um, Then I also got to just spend time with my friend Daenerys' daughter, who is also a Leo, a little baby Leo. And her energy is everything. And, like, being called Auntie Joy Joy was just, like, melts. Just freaking melts. Um, And talking to my friend, I have a friend who has a 16-year-old, so opposite side of the spectrum (laughs) 
doesn't like one of my friend's friends and like sent me a picture of her. She was like, I'm dying in a car with them. And so we're like talking about it. And my friend is like, like, I'm super happy that she knows like if she needs something, she can come to you and it doesn't have to just be me. Like she has other adults in her life that she can trust. And so like, I don't know, Joy loved the kids. I don't know that I've felt like I've had these relationships with friends, kids in the past. And like, you know, I have I clearly have a friend who has a 16 year old, so it's been years. I mean, she and I have always been cool. She's like one of the kids that I've liked throughout the ages. I don't really like kids between the ages of nine and 13. Like something about those eight, I'm like, <sighs> kids are very different during that time. And that's probably when they need people to like them. But ah, they are, they are a little annoying if I'm being honest. Um, but she is one of those kids that I liked during those ages. And I was like, oh, maybe it's not all kids. And then you meet other kids and you're like, mm, how old are you? 11? Mm. You, you seem very 11-ish. So I don't really know what the point of that was. To say I'm grateful. <laughs> to say I'm grateful. And I have, despite um, some of the other feelings that I've been having, I still feel pretty okay. Um... I guess that was in May. May was, May was, the beginning of May was rough. After COVID was really rough. So like April, May, early May was really rough. And then things started to like look up and they have been looking up. And I think I'm just trying to hold on. Why do I feel like I'm about to cry? What the fuck? <laughs> trying to hold on to these moments that do feel good. Um, and trying to hold on to the people that feel good. And not in a way that's like, I shouldn't hold on to you because you need to get out of my life. Uh, that might not be 100% true, but I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So what I had wanted to talk about and then the documentary yesterday, kind of like the documentary and then the talk back. So DJ had asked me to host the talk back. So the first, the first uh, showing, screening, premiere, screening, <laughs> like what is the word? I hadn't seen the film yet. So it was more like introducing the panelists and kind of like giving it like directing questions. So not, I didn't really talk as much. Uh, the second one I had now seen the film, um, knew kind of the role that the people who I was talking to played in it versus like, you're a kid and I don't really know much. But in the first talk back, there were more kids and kids were on the panel. Uh, and so them talking about their relationship with their parents was like, oh, this is kind of what I wanted to talk about on my podcast. So the older that I'm getting, and especially, I, why, like, I don't really, I'm like really getting choked up and I'm really not sure where this is coming from. Uh, but the older that I'm getting, the more I am starting to understand my parents. Clearly, this is bringing up something for me. So a little bit of a history, which I think I've, I don't, I don't know what I've talked about over the years. Um, but I'm sure that I've told you something about my parents. So my mom was born in the 50s, or she was born in 50, uh, in South Carolina. And... You know, and it's like, what a security question. So I don't give you any information that's going to make you steal my identity. <laughs> but my mom was born in South Carolina. She was the youngest of 
six, she had four brothers and one sister. Um, when my mother was nine years old, her father died in an accident. Um, his his tractor trailer flipped over on him and he died. So my grandmother now had six children on her own, but most of them were adults. So my mother was kind, I don't want to say a mistake because I don't think anyone's a mistake, but my mother wasn't planned. So let's say that. I want to say my grandmother was probably like 37 when she had my mom. And, um, but my mom had siblings in college already. So my mother was 13. They came to New York and she had seen a lot of things. Um, not so much from her mom, but siblings, um, being in unhealthy and abusive relationships, um, it's kind of being, not kind of, being bullied by her, one of her brothers. She talked about a lot. She was like, oh my God, if, he died before I was born. She was like, but if you would have known him, you wouldn't have liked him because he was so mean to me. And she was like, and I'm just sure he would tease you, which I'm like, I'm sure it's a problem for you to think that if she could have defended me. But anyway, he, I never, I didn't, I never met him. He died before I was born. Um, but even that, like loss, like my family has experienced a lot of loss, um, I always find it interesting when I talk to people and they're like, I've just experienced death like a year ago. And I'm like, wow, I've been going to funerals since I was like two. (laughs) Um, So shout out to you for not having that experience. Like it's weird um, because everyone's life is different, obviously. So my, my mom and I have a lot of parallels in life and like we would talk about this before so like from like having sex later in life to like being in relationships that we probably shouldn't have been in but at the time we didn't know any better we also didn't have great self-esteem so it felt like this is the only person that's gonna love me so this is where I gotta stay to like getting out of that and finding love and being happy and all of these things to go into all girls high schools, like shit like that. Like we did a lot. Um, and we were able, I was able to talk to my mom about things more freely than some of my friends were able to talk to their moms or like I was ever able to talk to my dad (laughs) because we weren't having those kind of conversations. So my mom was, I would say the easier parent, um, but in like the, 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 in the relationship with her and my dad, I would often get upset because my dad drank a lot and would like do things and we'll get into him soon. Uh, I, I just didn't understand why she would always say like, well, you know, that's how he is and da, 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 da. And I felt like she was an enabler once I learned that word. And I was just like so upset with her. But now as an adult, as a woman who has been in relationships, not that I condone it or think that it's okay, but I do understand enabling certain behaviors of your partner. And a lot of times it's because you just don't want to create any other issues in your home. And so you let them do the thing that you don't want them to do. Um, 
to create some form of peace, which is probably not, which not, not probably not, which is not real peace because you are feeling things and your child is feeling things, but you want this person to feel good. And so you kind of put all of that, excuse me, aside for the sake of maybe avoiding an argument or losing this person or whatever the case may be. So that's my mom. Sort of. I'm, and there's more to, there's, there's more things that I'm sure that I can really pull out. But for right now, that's my, my mom. So then it was my dad. So my dad, <laughs> oh, is a much more complicated person. Um, my dad, my parents are seven years apart. So dad is older. Um, he is the second oldest and oldest boy of seven. There were four girls and three boys. So he had two brothers and four sisters. Um, my dad had really bad asthma when he was born and they thought he was going to die. So they did not name him after my grandfather who, which I'm sure he was happy with as he got older because he did not have a good relationship with his dad. So my grandfather, I don't know, went to go get milk or something and moved to New York. I don't know, some fucking down South shit. And then my grandmother left him and his siblings to come to New York to find my grandfather and bring him back home. So even though my grandmother wasn't there too, for however amount of time this was, my dad does not blame his mother for anything. Like she can do no wrong. She is the greatest person. Now my grandmother and I did not have a good relationship. Um, Every time she saw me, she just told me how fat I was. And she wasn't like the grandmother that gave you birthday gifts. I've never gotten a thing from her. Uh, And she also, like, never cooked for me. Like, she was not that grandmother. She and I, like, I would walk into her house. She would tell me I was fat. I'd give her a hug. We'd sit down for a while. My dad would say, Joy, come here. And then we would leave. My mom to sit with her, who she also told was fat and made feel like shit, I'm sure. Um, and she would give me Five Alive, which was like this orange juice that was not quite orange juice, but an orange flavored drink, let's call it that, but not like Sunny Delight. But that, that was my relationship with my grandmother. But my dad loves his mom. His dad, not so much. My grandfather and I, I were cool. Like, I thought he was a nice guy. He was nice to me. And I felt like, you know, and my grandfather died when I was in eighth grade so I'm going off of my memories of him up until 13 years old or whatever um but I feel like my grandfather really wanted a relationship with my dad but my dad was so hurt by him leaving that he never tried and then when my grandmother died he definitely didn't try he like oh my god just would be like this nigga about his dad and just was hard because I was like I like him though but you don't like him and as a kid, I like I knew he left, but I'm like, but she left you too. But whatever. But my dad um, was one of those, once I got breast, like you can't hug me, you can't touch me, you can't sit on my lap. Like it was like, 
what we're not going to do is have anybody say anything. So, like, our relationship became, like, if I wanted a hug, I had to, like, go get a hug. And it needed to be, like, positioned in a way where body parts. And it was, like, weird. And I just didn't get it. But, like, you know, growing, like, the older that I get, and I think probably, I'm sure, because of my profession, I know that he experienced a lot of trauma. Um from the people who raised him when his parents weren't around. And I don't know if anything ever happened to him, but I know that he wasn't able to fully love any of us, my mom included, the way that I think we really wanted and needed him to to do because he didn't have that. Like, I don't think he was really loved and shown that he was important and special. I mean, like, they counted him out and told him he was, and, like, felt like he was going to die. So, I don't know that anybody even invested in him as a baby and paid attention to him that way. And then he felt like he had to be this provider for his family because he's the oldest boy. And he had to, like, take over this, like, father role for his siblings. And he had to, like, especially show his brothers, like, how to be a man and he had to like show his sisters what a man was like and then he had two daughters and a wife he had a wife before that but like you know whatever that I mean even that I guess like his I don't I obviously don't know the 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 ins and out of his relationship with my sister's mom but like he was like 20 something when he got married the first time and had lied about his name like even something like that was like uh it's a red flag Somebody needs to intervene in homie's life, but <laughs> didn't. Um, but they were young, and that didn't work. And then he met my mom and whatever with that and <laughs> their courting situation. Then they got married, and then they had a kid, and he still, I think, was just trying to, like, find himself and still trying to figure out who he was. And I think my dad, I know my dad struggled with, the, the, the boundaries between his family, like his biological family, his siblings and parents and aunts and uncles, and like having his own family and having kids and having a wife and like who gets what from him. And I think, again, now as an adult, a lot of that came from the image that they had of him was always more important than what we had of him. We always got the worst. We always got, like, the short end of the stick because he knew we weren't going to go anywhere. He knew my mom wasn't going to go anywhere. Like, where the fuck was I going to go as a kid? Or even when I became an adult. When I became an adult, though, it was interesting because, like, when I moved out, and part of why I moved out is because of my dad. Um, he would be like, oh, well, you could bring your laundry over so I could do it for you. It's like... I don't want anyone to think I'm a bad person because I have vices or because I'm sometimes mean or because I yell or curse you out. <laughs> like, I still love you, so I'm going to do these things. But for me, like, acts of service is not a love, like, it's a love language that obviously I want and appreciate, but it's not a main one for me. It, it never has. When I think about, like, joy as a kid, give me a hug. <laughs> Give me a hug. Just sit here and hug me. And that will make 
so many things go away. That will make so many feelings disappear. That will make me feel whole. Doing things is nice. But like I sometimes just wanted him to give me a hug. But he wanted to do my laundry. He wanted to clean my room. He wanted to fucking clean doorknobs at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so that made him feel important and special. And so watching this documentary yesterday, one of the young people was talking to, to her dad. And she's like, we don't talk. We don't communicate. And he's like, I try. I try. Something like that. I was thinking about my dad. And... We didn't talk like that. Like, we we kind of talk about school, from what I remember, and friends. But I don't know that he, like, knew me, knew me. I think my mom knew me, but I don't really feel like my dad did. Like, even, like, he refused to get a cell phone. So... You know, but we had house phones back then. So I'd call the house. My father didn't always answer the phone. But I think when we got caller ID, he probably would pick it up because he knew it was me. But it would be like, he'd answer, he'd be like, hello. I'm like, hi, how are you? Good, your mother's not here. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> do you know where she is? She went to whatever, whatever. Okay, you okay? Yeah, hang up the phone. Because he never said bye either. So like... I also wonder now, did he think that I didn't want to have that relationship with him is why he didn't try either. And, you know, I don't feel like I have a bunch of regrets when it comes to, like, my parents and Rashid not being here. But I do wish that I had a closer relationship with my dad. I see a lot of me in him now. Um... In a lot of ways, even the things that I don't like about myself, I see a lot of him in it. Especially with this, these years of extreme racism and a fucking Trump presidency and all of this stuff, I wonder... I always wondered what he would say, how he would feel, what our conversations would be like when I was having issues with people at white people at work. If I'd have come home and been like, let me tell you about this bitch. Like, I wonder what that would have been like. Like, would he be like, I'm coming to your job. Like, I'm going to pull up and fuck that bitch up. I don't know. He would not have done that. I don't think. Or he probably just been like, fuck that white bitch. That's probably what he would have said. But, but I wonder, you know. I think that we would have been much closer now. And a lot of that is because I think I understand him better. And I get it. I understand trauma better. I understand the importance of parent relationships better. I understand that parents don't have a rule book. And often fuck up. And sometimes they continue to fuck up and sometimes they catch it along the way and they, they can help change the trajectory. Sometimes their fuck ups make you amazing people and you're not affected by it in the way that you, 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 you probably try harder to not be like them to just avoid having a life like they did or being a parent like they were. 
but I'm grateful for the time. But I do, I do really wish that he was here so we could have this adult relationship. And we could have these adult conversations because all of the nuggets that he implanted when I was little have shown up. They have shown up and they have come up. And I'm like, damn. My dad would talk about this shit when I was like 10. And I'd be like, why the fuck are we watching Roots for the 90th time? Why are you talking to me about segregation? And why are you, like, none of these things are important to me now. And then, and then I got older. And then I'm like, oh, okay. I see it now. I see the importance and the lesson. So you have a relationship with your parents or if you're a parent yourself really I would I, I, I would suggest really trying to cultivate those relationships and, and maybe take them to a different level that they are at if you're able to if you care to do it too they don't do it out of like I mean obviously I'm not going to there's no obligation over here. I'm just saying, like, I think it would be cool to be able to, like, if you're an adult child with a adult parent, get to know them on a different level. Get to know them as people, not just your parents. I think that's hard sometimes because you're like, it's my mom, it's my dad, it's my mom, two moms, it's my two dads, whatever, whatever you call them and whatever the relationship is. When you're able to think about them as a, as humans, some of those expectations go away. Some of those like, how dare yous go away. It's like, well, because you're a person. That's how come. You're not perfect. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> you are just trying and you are thugging this shit out day by day. And now as an adult who is really just trying and thugging this shit out day by day, I get it. I get it. I wish I hadn't put on either of them some of the imaginary pressures that I thought being an adult were and why they should just do things because they should just do them because they should know better. They didn't. They didn't, and that's why they didn't do better. But now I know better, and so I can do things differently. And this is how the breaking of generational curses begins. Because my family on both sides has experienced a lot of real fucking hard moments. Like, I just keep thinking of like tragedy after tragedy that has occurred. And that's like stuff that I've been alive for or even stuff that I just heard about. And I think that <sighs> some people feel like they just have to be so tough and so strong is because they're like there's no option to be soft or to like there's no time to grieve and pause because we just gotta keep going we just gotta keep going we just gotta keep going and here I am like oh I'm sad now I'm gonna just lay here and be sad it's like girl if you don't get up you gotta be strong Mm -mm. I gotta feel I gotta process 
chciało. No sure you that makes sense. But that's this week's episode. Parents are people too. Children are people too. Take the time to listen to each other. Now, obviously, there's the importance of boundaries and you knowing what you need and want in your relationships with people. And not feeling like any of those things are violated because you're like, I have to keep a relationship because they're my family. Uh, you don't. But that's a different story. <laughs> that's a different topic. But yeah, this Saturday coming up is a social work appreciation gathering in Harlem. I will be sending out information by Wednesday with exact location and all of that jazz. Um, if you are registered and you're coming, I look forward to meeting you Saturday or seeing you Saturday if we've already met. I can be awkward at first. Please just introduce yourself. <laughs> if you're like, I know who you are. I might not know who you are. I, 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 uh, my brain is not always good. So just please introduce yourself and I'll try not to be weird. Uh, thank you for listening as always. Thank you for your support as always and have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Say no. Way.